In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about vampires, werewolves, found family, diabetes, all the lies, and missing the obvious in our discussion of Big Bad Me by Ashlyn O'Loughlin. everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. And today we're going to discuss Big Bad Me by Ashlyn O'Loughlin. Standard disclaimer. If you haven't read this book, please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read the book. Then come back. If you haven't done this for once, pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. Yeah! Yay! <laughs> Yay! I feel like I need to do the proper feel. Yeah! Oh, I didn't bring my tiny me today. It's okay. You're here as well. That's good. That's good. We can go and get up to mischief in the corner. Okay. There we are. I'm very excited to talk about this book, so I'm just going to... Ask straight away. Give me the background info. Okay. The background info that I found is from the bookseller.com. It's a publication announcement article called Little Island Lands of Laughlin's Punchy Fantasy YA Debut. And this is from March 2022. There's just a little quote that I pulled out of it. And it is, I've always adored stories of Quippy monster hunters, found family, and geeky girl power. (laughs) We love all those things. (laughs) So I'm over the moon to bring my own ragtag band of monster misfits to the world. So um, I love it. Love it. And it sounds like us. Yes. And that's also just what I was thinking as we read or as I read this book it's like is was someone just listening to me talk because there's so many like weird sarcastic like extremely hyphenated long ridiculous words I was like it just sounds like someone was just listening to me talk honestly it was the <laughs> it was the the the, in, the talking to themselves going yes you are being stupid I yes. was like it's me it's me. I know this book is perfect for us. Oh, honestly, I'm just. Cat uh, Ellis tweeted about it, mm-hmm. and here's some more background information. So, Cat Ellis, friend of the fam, friend of the family, friend of the well, fictional Hangover family. Yes, friend of the family. Yes, she is the family. She is the fictional Hangover family. She is. I know. Family. What am I saying? She is. So, Cat Ellis talking, tweeted, Claire. No, that's you Kat in Ellis your head tweeted about that. it. Yeah. <laughs> Cat Ellis <laughs> tweeted about it and said you have to read it, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, if Cat Ellis is telling me to read it, of course I'm going to read it. Of course, so, of course. Got it. Recommended it on the podcast. I think before it even came out. Yeah, you did just, that. This a couple, sounds amazing. You did that a, a couple months ago, a month ago. It, you know, I want to say it was like August, September time. September, I'm feeling. Yeah. Yeah, because it came out I think beginning of October. Got it ecstatic with it flick through a little bit of it and go on bought a second copy (laughs) 
sent it to Amanda. Yay! And it was like, fortuitous, because I literally, three days later, got a text off you going, we should think about covering Big Bad, Big Bad Me. I'm like, yeah, watch out for your mailbox. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and it was in my birthday box. It was, it was in your birthday care package. So, And then when I started reading it, I just couldn't stop just being so endeared towards it, just laughing and just cringing with them. and Yes! Yeah. It sucked me right in. It was fantastic. So, five out of five. Positive recommendation. Probably one of my books of the year. Yes, same. Same for me. Top three. Easy. Easy, Easy top through. I, I also feel... I don't want to say that I feel more drawn to it than, like, anyone else has any right to be, but... It's got a character, and sorry if you're not watching this episode, it's got a character with diabetes, and it's diabetes in a book. And also in the book are supernatural creatures. Like, this is my life. I love it. It's so perfect for me. Oh. Yeah. It's just a big chicken soup. Ball of amazingness. God, I know. Like the first, like real, you know, there's the little bit of the like prologue intro stuff, and then the first page of chapter one is like, yeah, I've got diabetes, but I can't Google it, so I don't think it's real. Like, oh my god, diabetes! <laughs> <laughs> and I was taking pictures of the pages as I was reading it and texting them to my diabetes buddy. Like, you have to read this book. You have to read this book. It's so good. <laughs> Look, it's hard. It's hard to find good diabetes representation in books. I can imagine. And, you know, I, I completely appreciate that. It's... <sighs> Not everybody is a skinny white girl who's completely healthy. Right. And even though that is even though it's I can't we can't talk about it anymore because it's gonna be Shall we do the story and then talk yes, about yes, it? Yes, I'm dying. I'm dying to talk about it. Okay. <laughs> Fifteen and a half years ago, Dr. Sinead Wilder and her young daughter Katie are woken up at 3 a.m. by crashing and banging in the house. It's not an intruder, just Robert, but he has bad news. Maddie is gone. The front door was smashed open. Leaving Katie with her neighbor, Sinead grabs her tranquilizer gun and together she and Robert drive off looking for Maddie. It doesn't take long to find the huge leathery beast with yellow eyes and giant claws, blood covering its snout. Robert tries to placate the monster, but is thrown through the air and lands with a loud crack. When Robert wakes up, his eyes flash yellow, and he changes into a monster. Not Robert and not Maddie clash, claws ripping, teeth biting, and in the middle is not Maddie's swollen belly. Sinead lifts her gun and fires. <laughs> Evie was born in a giant cage in the basement. 
She knows she's adopted, but has her bio mum's red hair and has been told she has a super rare, not on Google, diabetes <laughs> that also makes her allergic to silver that she maintains with her mom's homebrew medication. <laughs> yes, she is aware this is a super sh- shady as it sounds. Anyway, at the moment, Evie is a regular teen doing homework in a coffee shop when she gets this awful buzzing bee migraine, not wanting to bother her sister Kate, who would drop absolutely everything to get to her since the mom is away on a research trip. Evie opts to get home herself. In the process, she spills her drink, whacks a stranger with her backpack, and generally embarrasses herself in front of a really hot lumber hunk. <laughs> We've all been there. We've all been there, Evie. <laughs> Evie makes it home to the empty house and to her medication. Having some momentary relief from the buzzing, Evie reaches for a big, fat, juicy steak when someone starts loudly banging on the front door, making her head start hurting again. Pulling the door open, Evie finds the lumber hunk, who introduces himself as Rom, before forcing his way into the house. Rom starts belittling Evie and saying that her mom isn't her mom, and that girl isn't her sister, and that they've turned her into a lab rat, but he can free her because she called to him. Uh, creepy. Hmm. Rom then grabs her hand and shows that it's starting to turn into a claw. This can't be real. Then Rom slices Evie's arm, but whatever he expected to happen doesn't. Rom panics, slams something onto Evie's chest as her pain increases. Suddenly, Kate is back home and wastes no time shooting Rom with a dart gun before turning it on Evie. <gasps> Don't shoot your Thinking sister. quickly, Kate wraps her sister, changed back into her not-monster form, in a blanket and deposits her on the sofa. Turning to the boy monster, Kate starts to drag him down to the basement when cute, super cute, <laughs> Zoe King interrupts. Kate left the front door open and now Zoe has seen her with an art project? Yes, yes, an art project. We'll go with that. Declining her invite to a movie, Kate instead drags the boy monster down the stairs and into Evie's old hidden play cage, built behind a fake wall. Kate injects him with a couple more trank darts before gathering supplies. She and her sister are hitting the road. Evie wakes up in the back of Kate's car, surrounded by an assortment of clothes. Her head is splitting and she feels fuzzy. When Kate returns from getting gas, she explains that the stalker, Rom, gave Evie a ton of epinephrine and she had a seizure. So, for her safety, Kate had to sedate her. Stalker Rom got away and the police are after him, but Kate didn't feel safe. So now, they're on a Wilder Sisters road trip. Hooray! Kate gives Evie a bloody raw steak to eat so she'll feel better and insists that they don't need to call the Winchesters for assistance with what was definitely a hallucination and definitely not werewolves. Can we just call the Winchesters anyway? We should. (laughs) Kate drives them to Brightside, a place straight out of a horror movie. But it's the last place Kate was able to track their mum to, so here they are. 
Their mom had gone to find Evie's bio dad, Robert, who was looking for a cure to Evie's not diabetes. Goldman's guest house looks inviting, so they decide to stop there. Both sisters fail to see the many missing person posters as Kate drives through the sleepy town. At the check-in desk is Kevin, a cute, nerdy boy about Evie's age who sniffs the air and tries to throw them out. Rude. <laughs> Normal. <laughs> Kate, being a tough lady boss, doesn't accept his instant and rude refusal. They're loud enough to bring down Chris, a 40-something lady with an excellent <laughs> sense of humor. <laughs> She's amazing. Excusing themselves, Kevin and Chris argue. Evie listens in and hears them mention the word abomination and assumes it's Kate that they're talking about because of her pride badge. She also hears them mention Ashton's guys murder them, which sounds delightful. In the end, Chris convinces Kevin to let them stay for one night, and to placate Kevin, they're given room two, the one right next to his. Kevin takes the bags to their room with Evie as Kate checks in. Once at room two, Evie asks about Ashton, and Kevin gets angry and starts talking shit, which Evie thinks is about Kate, and which makes her angry, and so she lashes out with a claw to Kevin's throat. <laughs> Seeing her not hand covered in Kevin's blood starts freaking Evie out, but the claw keeps shifting between her hand and a claw, much to Kevin's amusement, not shock. He knows something, and he even calls it when her eyes start to turn yellow. Kevin assumes Evie knows she is different and has awesome control of her abilities. Then he starts mocking her when she starts to cry for Kate and her insulin. Kate eventually comes to the room, kicks Kevin out, and calms Evie down. Kate acknowledges the claw, admits that it's real, and informs Evie that, yeah, she doesn't have diabetes. Hmm. Kate tells Evie the truth. When Kate was a baby, her dad would take her monster hunting. Well, not real monster hunting, but he would drive around trying to get her to sleep and tell her monster stories. One day, he fell asleep at the wheel and died, but Kate didn't even get a scratch. Kate's mom picked up where her dad left off, except she hunted for real monsters with the help of her PhD student, Robert, who developed a monster tranquilizer. One day, they found a monster naked, crying, and in a bloody mess, but not Madison, had already turned back to human. They took her home, built the monster bedroom in the basement, and looked for a cure. One day, Robert injected himself with a sample of Madison's blood and turned himself into a monster too, which helped them find a formula to stabilize the monster. Robert and Madison grew close, and then Evie was conceived. When Madison went into labor, the contractions freaked her out and caused her to change. And then Evie was born by C-section after her parents tried to rip each other apart. Wholesome story it's of a, every birth. It's a really beautiful birth it's... story. Kate, <laughs> Kate shows Evie a video of Robert and Madison placing newborn Evie into two-year-old Kate's lap. And the unconditional she had at the moment she met her little sister was precious. It was precious. So Evie's bio parents are still alive and she's a werewolf. 
But um, we we don't say werewolf. <laughs> Understandably, Evie isn't calm about the situation, but Kate is. So she tries to reassure her little sister. Evie accidentally sends Kate flying across the room, which makes her realise that Kate isn't clumsy like she always thought. She was the cause of all of Kate's accidents because she's a freaking monster. (laughs) Kevin bangs on the door demanding admittance for Kate's safety, but she tells him to fetch ice instead, which he does. Oddly, quickly. (laughs) Meanwhile, Evie has picked up Kate's fallen trank gun and shoots herself. Oh, no. No, you don't do that. No. Kevin catches Evie before she lands and puts her on the bed. Kate berates him for scaring her and making her not-Evie self come out before she had a chance to talk to her. Kevin tells Kate she should leave for her own safety, but Kate kicks him out of the room instead. She needs to start making missing person posters for their mom. Evie wakes up to Kate asleep at her laptop and her gun close to hand. In true cliché style, Evie tries to run away, but is caught by Kevin. Kevin is a little odd, and Evie hasn't worked out why yet. (laughs) He's a vampire. Duh! (laughs) Duh! And he can... (laughs) We know! (laughs) It's obvious to us! (laughs) (laughs) He convinces Evie not to run away and go cry in the snow, but stay so she doesn't end up as a trophy on Ashton's wall and her big sister doesn't run straight into danger too. Feeding her a few raw steaks and a distinctly reddish hot chocolate with all the sugary toppings, yay, she's not diabetic so she can enjoy them, to make her feel better, Kevin offers to help Evie learn control. Look, even if she really was diabetic, she could still enjoy a hot chocolate, okay? What exactly? You just gotta take your insulin. And your insulin does not involve eating a raw steak. Because that's disgusting. Or injecting yourself with silver. Or injecting yourself with silver. Anyway, sorry. That's that's my diabetes anguish out of the way for a moment. Okay. So we're trying to learn control, but nothing happens. Evie can't turn on her inner Fido. Kevin explains that there are only a few very, very specific ways to kill him, and uh, she's not going to be able to do that, so he's the perfect training partner. Look, his neck has already healed. Kevin tries a new tactic, pissing Evie off by reminding her of the threat to Kate's life. This works a treat, and she's able to change her hand into a claw, bring out her fangs, and throw a cracking punch. Evie's control completely amazes Kevin, but she's still holding back, so he gives her three freebies before he fights back. After their sparring session, Evie falls asleep in the living room with Kevin making sure she doesn't wolf out. And this is how Kate finds them after having a mild freakout that Evie and her bag weren't in their room. Kate is not happy and doesn't listen to Kevin or realize that there's something different about him. He's a vampire. (laughs) (laughs) And she doesn't realize that, you know, he being a vampire, uh, also, you know, has knowledge of Evie's other nature, and also she doesn't realize that Evie has amazing control of herself. 
Kate believes that keeping calm, meditation, and medication are the solution. Thankfully, Kevin is able to persuade Kate to stay at the guest house longer for their safety and to give Evie a chance to heal her other nature. While Evie rests, Kid heads out to put some missing persons posters around Brightside for their mom. Dr. Sinead Wilder was known and liked by a lot of the locals and the Satchi's gone missing. There have been a lot of people going missing lately, but usually they're young, beefy men, not middle-aged female Irish scientists. Two teens, Cass and Felix, stop to help Kate put up a poster, and after talking for a bit, they remember seeing Dr. Wilder with Bruce Wayne on a date. (laughs) Bruce, okay. Uh, They have a picture of them together, and in the background of one of their selfies, but Bruce Wayne isn't clear, though Cass remembers he had really nice teeth. Anyway, their server at the restaurant where they took the selfie, Sage, was their friend, and they would suggest Kate talk to her about the date, but she was killed by a wild animal that same night. Nope. Yeah, that's that's been happening a lot too. Cass and Felix persuade Kate to tell the police about her mom and come along to provide a witness statement. And lots of lovely moral support, bless them. Yes, they're very good friends. For a few minutes. <laughs> Meanwhile, Evie has woken up and Kevin has brought a big tray of bacon and two hot chocolates. Evie invites him to join her, but he asks if the curtains can be closed because he has a sun allergy. Hmm. <laughs> because Evie. he's a vampire. <sighs> Oh, whatever. Evie still doesn't realize and fills her belly. Kevin raises the issue that Kate hates him, which is understandable, but he wants to keep helping Evie, and Evie wants that too. Suddenly, Evie gets a stabbing pain in her head and refuses to take the fake insulin slash placebo she's taken her whole life to cure it. Her eyes do a weird zoom-in thing, and she ends up in Kevin's lap, holding his hand. Which is really nice. They agree to keep training behind Kate's back, which is only fair. After all, Kate's been keeping secrets from Evie her whole life. (laughs) Because two wrongs make a right. Yes, two wrongs make a right. I'm pretty sure that's how the saying goes. In the late afternoon, Kate returns to the guest house is rude to Kevin as he's doing his job, and gives Evie a stern talking to about associating with the creepy nerd. Evie, not wanting to argue, agrees. Kate tells Evie her medication isn't a placebo, but is actually used to keep not Evie at bay, though their mom has had to increase the strength quite a lot lately. It used to be a couple of times a year. Yeah, now they need to increase the strength every few days. It seems the silver tranquilizers aren't very effective anymore, so it's time to learn meditation to control the monsters. Meditation isn't the answer to everything! No, it's not. Evie uses the meditation time as an opportunity to think about Kevin, who she's crushing (sighs) on hard. (sighs) And while doing so, she feels Fido under her skin. As the session finishes, they hear Kevin stopping Felix and Cass from coming upstairs. 
Cass, meaning well, wants to drop off some snacks for Kate, but accidentally drops them all over the floor, and Kevin can't stop himself from picking them up one by one and counting them. Because he's a vampire. vampire. (laughs) (laughs) Moving to the living room, Cass and Felix share a video from the restaurant that shows Dr. Wilder with Bruce Wayne, but actually, Bruce Wayne isn't there. But he was totally there. Huh? Evie, who hasn't been told that their mom is missing, by the way, uh, and that she was in Brightside, and that she was on a date with Bruce Wayne, is none too happy with her big sister, and claws out. They're interrupted by Cass screaming. Mm. Evie runs straight out the door, followed by Kate, while Kevin shouts at them to stay. Evie starts to change as she runs at super speed and turns into a full wolf at Cass's bloody body. Sniffing the air, she can smell Felix and someone else. Kate catches up, sees the gruesome scene, throws up, uh, throws up again, and assesses the situation. Not Evie isn't charging at her and ripping her to shreds, so that's good. And with a simple one bark for yes, two barks for no, she's able to communicate with not Evie. This is also good, sorta. I mean, I guess. Hey, you're communicating with the wolf. Right. It could be worse. Exactly. You could be in bits. Suddenly, some creep attacks and Evie swipes at him and clamps down at his throat while Kate stakes him through the heart, causing him to turn to dust. Buffy, vampire style. (laughs) The dust gets into not Evie's nose and she loses Felix's scent. Meanwhile, Kevin and Chris pull up haul everyone into the car, and head back to the guest house shortly before the police arrive and begin questioning. Evie notes the coat Kevin gave her has the same dusty smell the staked vampire had. Kevin is a vampire! Duh! Finally! Oh my god! (laughs) Yes! Finally! Oh, that was hard one. (laughs) Once the police are gone, Kate updates Evie on the other secret she's been keeping about their mom being a bright side and going on a not date with vampire Batman. They try to have a normal night, but Kate is sick to her stomach with the image of Cass playing through her mind. Kevin finds her curled up and crying and tries to offer her aid and comfort. The sisters end up watching a Disney movie, but Evie falls asleep pretty much straight away. As Kate is carrying her up to their room, she lays into Kevin when all he's trying to be is supportive, complimentary and helpful to them both. Before Kate falls asleep, she responds to a text from Zoe who says that she misses her and then sends a few messages to Felix hoping he's okay and still alive. Kate is asleep before she receives his reply asking to talk ASAP. The next day, Evie wakes to Kate having a hushed conversation in the bathroom, apparently with Zoe. Over breakfast, Chris informs them that everyone thinks Felix is a serial killer because he wears eyeliner, dyes his hair, and plays games and had a rebellious phase. Uh, (laughs) Everyone who wears eyeliner is a murderer. Um, Yes. just, Just gonna put that out there. (laughs) While Kate spends the day around town gathering information, Evie stays to research vampires on the internet. 
It doesn't go well, but things look up when Kevin comes in with news of cookies and hot chocolate once Chris returns from a blood run. Evie turns into a giggling, brain-fried mess as her crush on Kevin ramps up and decides to spar for a few hours, which helps with the mushiness. Kate comes back with no new news, and she offers to teach Evie some judo moves. After, Kate gives Evie her first full sugar Coke, and it tastes weird. It's not just the sugar content. It's the sedative that Kate has added to it. Stop drugging everyone! Once Evie's out, she throws Kevin over the reception desk and drives off to meet Felix, who she was actually talking to that morning. Mm. Well, Felix turns out to be a big fat liar. (laughs) There is a lot of that going on around. I don't know if you've noticed Mm. as well. Mm -hmm. He has set a trap for Kate in the Brightside graveyard. He claimed he saw Dr. Wilder in the graveyard being held hostage. It's not until Kate is looking inside a crypt that she starts questioning Felix's story of escaping the vampires the previous night. Inside a mausoleum, three vampires are waiting to capture the werewolf Felix was meant to lure to them. Because no one can trust anyone, the situation escalates quickly. Kate is fighting for her life. Felix allies with Kate and Evie has appeared outside the mausoleum. Dang it. The spiked coke only knocks Evie out for like 20 minutes. As soon as she wakes up, Evie's out the door. Well, uh, window. As Kevin tries to stop her from leaving and sniffing out Kate's location. Evie finds chaos and blood in the mausoleum, manages to take out the vampires before sending a crying and apologetic Felix away, and seeing a dying Kate on the floor. Dismissing emergency services for taking too long to help, Evie calls Kevin and manages to convince him to leave the guest house and come help. Kevin reluctantly attempts to turn Kate by draining her dry and feeding her his blood, constantly ripping at his wrist to feed her more. It doesn't work. <sighs> well, actually it does. It oh, just, hooray! It just takes a few moments. <laughs> time. Kevin gives Kate his wrist again now that she's swallowing on her own and Kate clamps on, nearly draining him dry. Eventually, they're able to get back to the guest house, covered in blood from a vomiting episode Kate had in the car. Kevin is tired and running on empty and Kate seems drunk. Chris is none too happy that Kevin drank human blood again, but understands that it was to save Kate so she doesn't say anything. Before Evie can get cleaned up and Chris can have her rosé, they get Kate in the bath and put to bed. Meanwhile, Kevin has refreshed and been refueling. He brings hot chocolate to Evie, who notices that pig blood, which is what they've been drinking all the time. It's not as effective as the human blood and tries to offer her own magical blood to Kevin to help him heal. But he refuses. He tells Evie he is more of a monster than she knows. He was Ashton's proto-psycho. Oh. Dum, dum, dum. Many years ago, Ashton had a family, and all but one were killed by werewolves. The last, a son, was bitten, so Ashton stopped the curse with his axe. After... Ashton traveled the country as a lone werewolf hunter until he met Ava, a vampire, 
and she turned him. It wasn't long after he got his vampiric superpowers before Ashton left her. One night, Kevin was walking home from the movies with eight-year-old Chris, his little sister. (gasps) She ran off to feed some raccoons, her leftover popcorn, as you do, when Ashton attacked her. Kevin fought him off, Chris ran home, and Ashton, who seemed to be missing his family, took Kevin and changed him. What happened next were years of dependency, abuse, and murder that Kevin is still fighting and trying to come to terms with, but he sees himself as worthless and a true monster. It wasn't until he found a missing person poster with his picture on and called the number that he realised Chris was still looking for him and is now a badass adult. She managed to get him free from Ashton and in retribution, Ashton murdered every person with their last name in their hometown. Oof. What an asshole. Kevin kept hunting wolves and about a month ago he went after a camp of wolves in the area. As he was fighting, Ashton came and helped. It was magnificent, and it felt right. Ashton wants Kevin back, and it's hard for Kevin to turn him down. Since then, Ashton has been building his jock army and seems ready to take out the town. Evie sees that Ashton was controlling Kevin, and that he has a sense of obligation to him born from the abuse. As they talk, things get a little heated in more than just words, and they start physically fighting, but then the kissing starts. Chris comes in and tells them to get a room, so off to Kevin's room they go. Before anything (laughs) happens, Evie's brain goes into overdrive, and she suddenly realizes that Batman is Ashton. Of course he'd want the scientist who knows about werewolf genetics. And, uh, Kevin probably knew this already. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did know that. He didn't tell Evie because he knew she would do exactly what she's doing, wolfing out to go run into Ashton's camp and get herself killed. Talking sense into Evie, she changes back and comes up with a brilliant plan. (laughs) The Trojan Werewolf. (laughs) She'll go to Ashton, and in exchange for her mom's safe return, she will go to the werewolf camp and invite Ashton in. It's a good plan, and Kevin wants to help, but not right now, as Kate is waking up and finding out she has superpowers. (laughs) (laughs) Kate takes the news as well as to be expected, though she does immediately try to bite Evie and suck her sweet, sweet blood, and then try to stick herself with a chair leg. (laughs) (sighs) Drama. (laughs) Evie gets her to promise not to harm herself because she already saw her die once, and then Kevin tells her she needs to learn focus. So while Evie waits in Kevin's room munching on Oreos, sugar, yay! Kevin takes Kate to the kitchen to make pizza and share his backstory. At the end, Kate is of the same opinion as Evie, that Ashton is a psycho-controlling monster and Kevin is a better person slash vampire than he gives himself credit for. Meanwhile, Evie has made some steaks out of Kevin's desk and has jumped out of the window to go and take on Ashton and his jock crew by herself. (laughs) I love that she's just up there (laughs) breaking off chair legs, turning them into steaks. (laughs) Evie doesn't get far 
before Kate and Kevin catch up because a group of Ashton's vampires are outside the guest house. A fight ensues. Kate gets a badly timed pang of conscience. Vampires die. One runs off back to Ashton to tell him everything. Returning to the guest house, they eat the pizza and go to sleep. Kate and Kevin are woken to the sounds of Evie attacking Felix downstairs. Evie's inner final woke her up. It must have sensed Felix arguing with Chris downstairs, which spurred her to investigate. She doesn't beat the snot out of Felix, but she does take a swipe before realising he has a heartbeat. But he's a vampire. What? By this time, Kevin has ambled downstairs and is watching Evie make Felix literally pee his pants. But at the revelation of the heartbeat in a vampire, his mind whirls. There is something about the vampire's head exploding and the vampire dust that triggers some realisation. Taking Felix upstairs so he can clean up, Kate is cheerfully waiting to say hi with her fangs out. If Felix had any pee left, he would have left it out. (laughs) (laughs) As the traitor cleans up his pee pants, Kate and Evie talk. Kate points out that Evie hasn't been taking her medicine, which means stalker Rom could find her using the weird werewolf tracking thing she had neglected to tell Evie anything about. More secrets. But Evie correctly points out that they need her at full strength, and she can control the wolf if she controls her anger, and it's best that she keeps off the silver so it can be effective if it needs to be. Damn. Don't you hate it when little sisters are right about you their are the own little sister. lives? You are the little sister. I am the little sister, and you know what? I'm almost always right. <laughs> Especially about my own life. Come on. Especially about your diabetes. Yeah. Werewolf girl. Felix has come to give them information about Ashton, specifically the farmhouse he's using as a base. Together they come up with a plan. Get in with Felix's invitation for the vampires. Knock some heads together. Stake Ashton, which will make all the vampires he's created human again. Then get out with Dr. Wilder and be home for hot chocolate. (laughs) Perfect. It's an excellent plan. And it is a terrible plan. It is also the only plan they have. And despite Kate trying to find alternatives to Evie coming, they decide they'll need a monster bodyguard when all the psycho vamps are turned into psycho humans. Felix is worried he'll be too slow to help as a lowly human until Evie shows him the seed trick, which he will help to keep the vampires busy. Later, after Kate has a vampire transition crash day and Felix passes out exhausted, Evie and Kevin spend some time together. Most of it kissing. The next day, Evie and Felix go out for supplies for the plan. Seeds, holy water, steak materials, and pockets. Pockets. (laughs) What is this on the list? Pockets? We're supposed to get pockets? What? Yes, all the pockets. Just get all the pockets. While loading up supplies, they spot a heavily pregnant woman not taking any shit from some ice queen bitch about Felix. It's Felix's stepmom, and she defends him to the hilt against the bigots of the town he is most likely going to die in order to save. This calls for milkshakes. Meanwhile, Kate and Kevin are sparring. All the while, Kate has been getting increasingly desperate texts from Zoe. 
Kevin gives some surprisingly insightful advice, and Kate texts her back, reassuring her she's just dealing with family stuff, and even sends a picture of Kate with her cousins, Felix and Cass, outside a diner. Zoe messages back, exactly what I needed. Thanks. Uh, that's not suspicious at all. Nope. It's fine. It's, uh, normal. Nope. Not creepy. No. Not at all creepy. Totally normal. (laughs) Preparations underway with Kate and Kevin in a different room for all the poppy seeds falling to the floor. (laughs) That'd be so funny. (laughs) Oops. One, two, three, four. (laughs) Kate tries to give Kevin the talk about the age differences between him and Evie when they hear Felix on the phone giving their plan away. After some death threats, they ask actual questions and find out he's been leaving voice messages for Cass. He trusts them even if they don't, and he's okay with that. Mm. And it makes your heart bleed for Felix because he misses his girlfriend. So sad. Later, after some pizza, they give Chris some sleeping pills so she won't follow them monster hunting. But unfortunately, as they step out of the guest house, the monsters have come to hunt them. Hmm. Vampires with cans of gasoline are outside, so the fight is on. Kate is reluctant to kill their attackers. Kevin and Evie are reveling in it. Felix is chased by one into the guest house, but he subdues him by throwing poppy seeds, which he is compelled to count even as he cries out in torture from being inside without an invitation. Love it. Then Evie twists his head off. Love it more. After they head over to Ashton's farmhouse and Felix is able to sneak in, cause further distraction with more poppy seeds and invite Kate and Kevin inside. Straight away, they encounter a couple of lecherous vampires who are quickly dispatched despite Kate telling them not to kill anyone. Unfortunately, as they make their way in further, they run into Ashton and his goon squad of idiot henchmen. (laughs) Ashton is happy to see his prodigal son Kev return with gifts. <laughs> the wolf expert's daughter, who is now Ashton's granddaughter, and a pure-born werewolf. Mmm, tasty. Mmm. Kevin makes... Sorry, Kev makes Ashton believe he is returning to the fold and crushes his glasses underfoot. No! It's not only Ashton who seems to believe this, though. Evie is convinced Kevin is lost to them. No! No! Ashton takes the party down to his throne room, a.k.a. the decked-out basement. At the bar, he warms up two glasses of Summer Wilson and toasts Kev's return. Kev makes a big show of drinking the blood and demanding to be named Ashton's partner if he is to return. If a hench idiot or two dies in the process, so be it. Ashton shows Kev a map and tells him the little red dot is the camp of werewolves, and he would happily have Kev come back as his second to lead the charge. Kev suggests the Trojan wolf tactic, which Ashton loves, but the hench idiots still need some convincing to follow Kev, so Ashton has Evie slash her arm, and Kev drinks up her sweet, sweet, pure-born blood. Kev drinks deep while Kate screams. As Kev withdraws his fangs, he whispers, Wolf on, and flings Evie at Kate. The fight is back on. 
Kevin and Ashton try to rip each other to pieces. Evie, who is woozy from the blood loss, is still formidable. Felix, who was hiding near the bar, is shooting holy water tranks into the idiot henchman. And Kate goes full Thanos. <laughs> As Felix and Kate are getting Evie out of the basement, Ashton throws Kevin against the wall. Felix takes the opportunity to shoot Ashton with holy water and Evie hands Kevin a steak. He plunges it into Ashton's neck until his body comes away and he explodes. Delicious. So amazing. Just vampire dust all over the place. Ashton's reign of terror ends. Not with a bang, but with a bunch of confused ex-vampire idiot henchmen moaning and groaning and Kevin vomiting up copious amounts of blood and heartbeats. Everyone in the room has a heartbeat, except for Kate. She is the only vampire not to be turned by Ashton, so she doesn't turn back into a human. (laughs) Kevin tries to hand her a steak, but she refuses. Instead, Kate grabs one of the idiot henchmen, threatens him, and drags him around the house to look for her mom. As they search, Evie starts to get a get that buzzing headache again and rubs at her forehead, and Kevin copies the move. They search everywhere, until finally they're in the last cranny of the attic. A panic attack overcomes Kate, and she smashes the asshole henchman into a closet, ready to rip out his throat. But Kevin encourages her away from further murder and sends the henchman on his way. The smash, however, has created a crack at the back of the closet, and Felix sees light shining through from behind the wall. Breaking through, they find a hidden room, and Kate and Evie can smell their mom. Inside, Dr. Wilder is tied to a pipe, but she's alive. Together, they create a big, squishy, mega Wilder hug. Aww. Piling into the car, they head toward the guest house and sandwiches and call the police with a tip about suspicious activity at the farmhouse. Not long into the journey, though, the buzzing pain in both Evie and Kevin's heads become intense. Oh, crap. Kevin's a werewolf now. (laughs) Getting out of the car, Evie and Kate send their mom and Felix on because they need to help Kevin focus and not to change. As Evie is helping Kevin, Stalker Rom approaches with Zoe tied up. He's used Zoe's phone to find Kate and Evie. His excuse is that he's a pure-blood werewolf and he's never met another before until Evie, so he watched her like a creep. (laughs) He may not have used the word creep, but he watched her like a creep. Yeah, we, we, we use the word creep, though. Kevin shoots him with silver for his own safety as Evie is pretty close to jumping at him with her claws out. Yeah. Tying and gagging Starker Rom, Zoe and Kate reunite and arrange to not watch a movie together. Oink. Much to Kevin's delight because he's been totally shipping them the entire book. It's amazing. It's so cute. <laughs> Evie helps distract Kevin and any potential wolfing out by kissing his face off. Unfortunately, they still have Stalker Rom to deal with, but luckily, Zoe has an idea. Two months later, Stalker Rom has settled in nicely in Evie's old basement playroom slash cage. He enjoys sketching, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, 
and not being a lone orphan wolf who kills people. <laughs> Kevin has moved in as well, but into Kate's old room. Kate and Dr. Wilder are fascinated by his weird sort of werewolf sort of vampire blood. Kevin and Evie are seeing each other, as are Kate and Zoe, who are so cute together, as predicted, and we all swoon. They regularly catch up with Felix, who stayed in Brightside through video calls. In fact, it's time for their chat. Felix suggests a long weekend trip to check out these mysterious murders, animal attacks, and missing brains in Somerville. <gasps> Road trip, road trip, road trip! Road trip! Yay! Yes! <laughs> right, I'm gonna go pack my bags for the road trip. Bye! I'm gonna go take some insulin. <laughs> some actual, not, not fake. Not silver, <laughs> actual. Not placebo, insulin. actual, yes. real life, <laughs> genuine. Yeah. Insulin. <laughs> I've actually, spoiler alert, been taking insulin this entire time because my sugar level just keeps going up. Yay, diabetes! <laughs> Woo! You're not just wolfing out. No, I'm not. I wish I could. It's funny because... It's true. It's true. <laughs> Whenever my sugar level goes up, I get real angry. And if I had the ability to turn into a wolf, I would. We would never get an episode recorded because <laughs> no! you're constantly going, Oh! Yep. <laughs> Are we actually going to take a break now? Yes. <laughs> okay, sorry. Have you ever wondered what Tina Fey has in common with Jonathan Swift? Or how Star Wars is connected to feudal Japan? Or just how pervasive Shakespeare's influence still is? I'm Rhonda. And I'm Erin. And our show Pop DNA explores the literary and historical roots of your favorite pop culture works. Like the Greek mythology and early 20th century feminism echoed in the film Wonder Woman. Or the classic dystopian fiction and real-life political revolutions that informed the Hunger Games. Every month, we bring you a deep-dive discussion of a selected pop culture work. Featuring jokes no one will think are funny and literary references no one asked for. Find us at thepopdna.blog or anywhere you get your podcasts. By the way, Shakespeare is bigger than Disney. Oh, DNA. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Anywho, we're back in the room. We're back in the room. Yes. Yes, we're back in the back. room. We're back. So we're ready for our road trip. We're all insulined up. Yes. We have our hot chocolate supplies at the ready. Yes. We may even make some s'mores. It's possible that we could yes. do that. Yes. Yeah. You know when you enjoy a book so much, you basically just want to go, you know what, just read it. Just yes. read it. Yes. End of discussion. Yes. I want everyone to read this book. I really, really do. And I hope that we're able to get it in the United States, uh, you know, more easily than, you know, we are right now. Although, an English probably, I'm yeah, going to check. It's probably available on Book Depository. 
It is. I'm literally looking at it right now. Yeah. I've just gone into Book Depository. It is on there. It is save 72 pence. Nice. 8% off. Yeah. And it's worth every penny. Yes. Yes, it really, really is. It's it's just fun. There's it just was. so much fun about it. Yeah. Uh, in my notes, I just, I just have a lot of words with exclamation marks. Like, no actual usable notes because it's just diabetes vampires sarcasm ridiculousness like ah, 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 ah. it's all of my favorite things yeah <laughs> yeah i i 100 percent agree yeah 100 percent. when i started reading because i got to this before you did you did um and found that evie was a diabetic i was like oh amanda's gonna love this and then found out it was fake diabetes went Ooh. oh is she gonna love it at all is she oh. going to love this oh is she actually gonna hate it oh, oh my, is there going to be a moment of rage where diabetes is used as a trope and i was i i was genuinely a little worried about that because i was enjoying the book so much and i was so worried you're gonna turn around and go i freaking hated that the use of of a genuine like debilitating to some extent disease yeah. And but you know what? It it was done in a very fun way. Not to defend, yeah. like it, I can't defend it because I don't have diabetes. So I'm going to throw it over to you. I I will let it go as a true person with diabetes. You know, if the world would be a much happier place, my world would be a much happier place. I should say, if you know, diabetes was actually lycanthropy, um, I I'd, I'd feel better about it. Mm. <laughs> But you know what? It, it would be desirable in that instance. It would be. It would be. Uh, everyone would want diabetes. Um, but even though, yeah, diabetes, she doesn't actually have diabetes and it's not actually real. I did appreciate the fact that the stuff that was, you know, about her diabetes was real. You know, she, she's like not eating a lot of sugar because this diabetes that she has, she has to take injections. So it's not like my diabetes, for instance, where I have an insulin pump and can take insulin whenever I need it. So she has to be more mindful of what she takes in and she can't have a full sugar Coke and she probably shouldn't have a hot chocolate or she shouldn't be eating all of these things and doing all of this stuff because she has to take injections. But it's it's just, it's, she's just a werewolf. <laughs> And like that's that's how they decided to cover it up. So I appreciate it because even though it's not real, it is real. Yeah, it was tre like a, a a genuine thing as well for so for like sixteen years of her life. So yeah, I'm glad that it went down the you appreciated yes yeah. what it was being used for rather than a, a badly done trope. Yeah, I found it quite endearing that the fact that Evie was like I have to take insulin but you can't buy it from a pharmacy my mother has to homebrew it in her not very legal lab in the basement yes and I can't google anything about this diabetes because no. it's so rare yeah um, bearing in mind what I do as a day job I'm sitting there going her mother will get so many publications out of this if that was the case <laughs> <laughs> oh I appreciated um, following that same train of thought 
you know, she's saying, yeah, uh, my mom makes my insulin in the basement. And like, there are asides, there's lots of breaking the fourth wall in this book. And she's like, uh, yeah, reader, pretty, pretty sure I should have known something was going on right now. Yes. And then all of those times when you see Kevin and he's first introduced and like something weird happens with Kevin and like you totally know as the reader that he is a vampire but Evie doesn't see it yet and she's like yeah you probably know what's going on right now reader but I didn't I I still didn't know what was going on and you know we're screaming and throwing the book across the room he's a vampire he's a vampire because everyone knows how we feel about vampires on fictional hangover we immediately fell in love with Kevin Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and just to jump ahead a little bit for me, that was probably my biggest surprise was how freaking clueless Evie was. Know, oh my god. And it was like, oh my god, it's like does she you know when she's all stressed out when she first gets home from having that embarrassing lumber hunk moment in the coffee shop. Mm-hmm. So she starts tucking into the raw steak. Yeah. Like she's eating raw steak. Like that's normal. Like it's normal. I mean, come on, you're almost sixteen. By this point of your schooling, bearing in mind you are going to a regular school with regular people, Mm -hmm. you will have covered salmonella and eating raw meat Mm -hmm. in a class at some point. Mm -hmm. Yet you still think eating bloody, juicy, raw steaks is just comfort food. Nah. Mm -mm. Nah. Evie, Mm. love. Nah. We need to have words. We do. (laughs) We really, really do. But as the reader, laughing out loud. Yes, Absolute roaring with laughter. I was hooting at this. It was so funny. And I'm trying to be quiet as well when I'm reading it at night time and all I'm doing is jiggling. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there were several passages that I just had to like, I stopped and I snorted and like I had to read it aloud to Jacob. Yes. He was like, what is going on over there? I was like, this book, it's so perfect and it's hilarious. And then I I was was also... You woke him up? He was trying... He turned over, I'm going to sleep now. And I'm laughing and I went, no, wake up. I need to tell you this out to you. Because I'm a loving and caring wife. Yes, yeah. I also... um, was taking screenshots of all of the diabetes stuff and like sending it to my my diabetes buddy and like we've decided now mostly like because of how much I love this book and he's just found a book that has diabetes in it that he wants me to read that we're gonna start a diabetes book club (laughs) but then it went real downhill because you know we call each other diabetes buddies diabetes buddies because that's what we are makes sense um and then we uh, we decided we were going to name our book club Diarita Buddies oh, Read. Read. And then it sounds like Diarita. That's not a blood sugar thing. <laughs> that's not a blood sugar thing. Nope. Nope. And then we became Diarrhea Buddies. And then it just went down this long winding trail, ending with us getting brown tie-dye shirts that <laughs> that say Diarrhead buddies and I just love it <laughs> I love it it's terrible it's lovely how people can come together isn't it great though that like this book books is bring people together. yeah yeah it's amazing 
<laughs> can't wait to see these tie-dye brown tie-dye t-shirts i know they're gonna be it's, disgusting i love them it's not gonna be an attractive t-shirt no nope, i love them already <laughs> um so moving past that yes because we need to um i love all of the <laughs> not often used vampire tropes yes uh like you don't you don't see obsessive counting in a lot of in a lot no. of contemporary ya vampire books it's so often missed out and i don't know why is it is it is it because it's not usable sexy? is it not sexy it's not <laughs> fun is it because of you know actual OCD, and it's trying to be a bit quote unquote respectful towards that. Because you know, I I have a friend, like I have a friend who is you know diagnosed takes medication for OCD, and I was telling them about this bit, and they were like, "That's hilarious." <laughs> but like, it's it's a well known vampire trope, but it just doesn't it just doesn't get used anymore. No, which is a shame, but I love the fact that they just yeah. load Felix up with all these pockets full of poppy seeds. I mean, that's so why just... they needed to buy all the pockets. Yes. <laughs> I can imagine there was like two or three spillages. Yes. And then Kevin and, and I know like, for we got to get out of this room. Those things travel. I had to get the vacuum out today after <laughs> manipulating with poppy seeds earlier. They went everywhere i had to hoover my dining room table because it has like a little crevice that goes all the way around and all the poppy seeds got stuck in so it looked like rather than like a lovely like a gilt inlay it was a poppy seed in there and i was like well <laughs> that's a mess one two three four <laughs> so yes no i totally agree the the less often you, the less even the invitation being invited yeah. in is not yeah. used quite so often. And it's like, oh, well, you need to be invited? Yes, because it's polite. Yes. Yes. In this instance, no. Although... Which is one of my favourite scenes was when the vampire is attacked and Felix threw the poppy seeds on the floor, which meant that the vampire like had to also enter the guest house uninvited. He's writhing in pain, trying to pick up these poppy seeds until Evie comes and twists his neck off. Yeah, that was fantastic. <laughs> it was just, it was torturous and I loved it. I also, I really loved that Kevin, you know, he, at the end, he drank a lot of Evie's magical wolf blood and then he got turned back into a human but, like, there's just this weird, like, battle going on back and forth inside his body of, like, oh, I'm starting to turn into a werewolf. And it's like, it's kind of shifting back into a vampire. Nope, nope, now the vampire side's fighting the werewolf side, and the werewolf side's coming back, and, like, it just kind of keeps going back and forth. I'm really interested to see if there is a book two, which I hope there is. It's, like, left wide open for a sequel. I hope that there's some weird werewolf-vampire hybrid stuff mm. happening. Mm. I'd love to see it. Well, I did see on Ashlyn O'Loughlin's Twitter, she did a poll asking about people's opinions on um, twin two tw twins' names. And they're a boy and a girl. Mm -hmm. And their parents are like these snooty English lit professors. 
And one of them was Harper and Lee. Another one was Tennyson and Marlowe. And another one was Marlowe and Kit. Mm. So I don't know if the poll's still open, so head on over mm. to our Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, mm, snooty English professors. This would fall into the academic side of Dr. Wilder, perhaps. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I'm hoping that's got something to do with the sequel. I would love there to be a sequel. Really, it, it, really it's left cool. too wide open for you know the zombies now yes. not to have it. And you know, if Ashlyn Lachlan wants to take me down the full gambit of supernatural creatures, I am there. I yeah. will gladly run full pelt, and yeah. I do not run. I just love that there's a lot of uh, pop culture references throughout the book, and like sh- this is clearly opening up to just be supernatural in book form, where they just go out hunting all sorts of beasties all the time. Exactly, it's it's very much supernatural meets Buffy. Mm-hmm. It's just delicious. Yeah, it's amazing. Yes. Do you know what I will say? I, I want to say annoyed. But I think it was very purposeful. And it was, it was Kate. Now I really like Kate. Kate bothered as me. As a though. character, she, 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 weird, she weirded me out a little bit because she's this brilliant boss lady. Total respect. Hmm. She gives Kevin shit constantly until quite near the end. Um, and when he's he like, becomes her father. We don't say fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but she's constantly like ragging on him and he's just being complimentary. He's like, no, I know you've got this. I know you're capable. I know you're a strong, independent woman. But I can offer you some advice or I can offer you some support or I can offer you comfort or nothing at all. I'll just be here. Mm-hmm. Just know that you are awesome and amazing. And she yeah. just rejects it and just shouts at him and threatens him all the time. Yeah. She shouts 90% of this book. Yeah. It that did bother me. That did bother me some. Um but I mean I got to think again back to, you know, the world of diabetes. Um I know when I was younger dealing with diabetes, uh my sister was really overprotective. And that's just that's just what it is. Mm. But I hated it. So, like, it's understandable, but it's but it's frustrating. Yeah, I can I can see definitely from the overprotective sister. Yeah, I mean, it was very well done. Oh yeah, like, she it, needed she just yeah, needed was, to calm down and think for just, yeah, just five minutes. Think about the situation that you're in, where you are, what you're doing, what people know, and and just take that meditation time and freaking reflect. Yeah. And she just doesn't and just shouts all the time. And it, it was it was getting a lot. And then the complete 180 where she's this, I'll kill you, I'll do this, I'm going to beat you up too. No, 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 we don't kill anybody. They're all, they can be human again. It's like, yeah, the murderous assholes. Mm. <sighs> we mm. don't need to do that really. Yeah. We could just, you know, mm. when the vampires. And then she goes full Thanos. Yes, and she's just dusting everyone left and right. Yes, thank you, Felix, for that quote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I didn't, and I'm not saying that as a criticism to the book because honestly, I adore this book. But oh yeah, it's, like it's, it's nothing an, is it's perfect. An, 
Yeah, but it's an understandable, like, well-written, well-thought-out, but still annoying character. Yeah. And at the end of the day, she's still a teenager. Right. And, and you know, she's, teenagers are going to do what teenagers are going to do. Yeah. Yeah. I did enjoy when she's trying to have the age talk with Kevin. And it's like, but it was explained. It was like, ah, the explanation that we very rarely get. That Kevin is physically still 16. Mentally, realistically, he's also 16. He's never going to mature past that point. Mm -hmm. So him smooching Evie, who is 15 and a half, isn't creepy. Yeah. Even though he should be in his 40s. Right. Yeah. And then at the end, when they're all living in the Wilder house, he is such a teenage boy. He's like, oh, I had maths today. Oh, they didn't like my soup. <laughs> oh, and now like he he is 16 again. And, like They get to grow up together. So the Which smooching is, is not weird. It's not weird. It's fine. You know, speaking of relationshipy kind of things that are going on here... Um, my surprise was how Stalker Rom used Zoe at the mm. end of the book, and Kate didn't realize it. I know yeah. that it's text, but still, you have, like, if someone else picked up my phone and sent you a message, you would probably go, wait, that doesn't sound like Amanda. Yeah. Like, so, I'm just surprised. That Kate didn't catch on. That Zoe's messages were weird. And I know that she had a lot going on. She was busy. She's a vampire now. <laughs> like, I get it. <laughs> I get it. But I'm still surprised. That yeah, was my no, surprise. I, no, I, I get that. Like, I can't really remember because it's been a few weeks since I actually read the book. But does Kate and Zoe already have that like pre-established kind of texting relationship? Because I know Zoe was trying to ask Kate out without asking Kate out directly. Yes. It's like, yeah. let's go and watch a movie or Netflix. And it's like, she's asking you out, go out on the date. Yeah. I, but I, I don't know can, if they had that relationship. I can imagine that they did have that relationship because why else would you just like show up to someone's house? And she to flirt and try and after ask her out. Yeah, so I I can only assume that they were friends uh, already, and you know Zoe obviously wants it to be more, and so does Kate. But and so does Kevin when he finds out. And so does Kevin when he finds out. Yeah. So I I can imagine that they already had an established friend, potentially more relationship. Yeah, that's That fair. was happening before the book started. Yeah. Do we even need to talk about who our favorite character is? Is it even necessary to say it out loud? I mean, <laughs> well, just for clarity. Oh, I just I just Twilight quoted in my head and then it made me laugh. <sighs> well, obviously it's Kevin then because she's just gone down the vampire route. <laughs> <laughs> oh, say it. Say it out loud. <laughs> or if you go by the mashup memes, I have vengeance. <laughs> no. Which is also appropriate because of the Bruce because Wayne mentions. Because it's Bruce Wayne, yes. Oh, it's perfect. It's 
so perfect. Love it. <laughs> right, can we establish something as well? What? All lies all the time. Stop freaking lying to yes. everybody. Yes. Oh my god. <sighs> A thousand it's times not yes. Necessary. Stop it. Stop it. But see, in this instance, you know, we're having all, all lies all the time and then they get out of town and they go to the guest house and, you know, Kevin and Chris, their new found family. Love it. It's like, it's like, hey, hey, you're a werewolf. Let me teach you how to survive. Let me teach you how to fight. Let me teach you how to live. So while, while Kate, her actual sister, even though not actual sister, because she's adopted but kate her sister is like no we have to keep all this stuff secret we have to keep it hidden from her because she doesn't keep it know secret. keep it safe no and then <laughs> and then kevin and chris are like uh oh, here's some blood hot chocolate you can throw me against a wall because you're probably not gonna kill me so let's just fight and teach you how to deal with what you're dealing with meditation yay. isn't always the answer no yay for found family love a found family trope yep. love it yeah it's one of our most favorite things with vampires with vampires and oh diabetes <laughs> it's perfect just it's <laughs> so perfect <sighs> just a thousand times yes <sighs> i mean it's amazing it's amazing I think it's time to play Would You Rather. I think you're right. Oh, it's going to be so good. And we're so very excited about Would You Rather today because we're joined by the author Yay! and we have been squeeing about this for so long. So welcome, Ashlyn. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm like such a huge fan. Such a massive fictional hangover fan. We're like really excited to be here. We're supposed to be fangirling. Yeah. It's just going to be a big fangirl circle and we're never going to get anywhere, but it's fine. Which wouldn't be unusual. Mm. That makes me so happy. So thank you. Thank you a thousand times for joining us and for writing this friggin' book. Oh my God. Yes. It's the best. Thank you. Spoilers. I mean, I, I we've declared not. it as one of our books of the year. You have? Yes. yes. And now you're going to make me cry while we're recording. Thank you. <laughs> Seriously, like, I'm in love with this book. You are? That's... Yeah. Thank you. Just... Yeah. Same as Amanda, we just honestly, from the first chapter, we were texting each other going, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, but we shouldn't, we shouldn't fangirl about that yet because okay. lots of things are going to happen, but we have to get through Would You Rather first. Yes. And then Professional we can explode in, okay. you know, vampire dust or. Or, yeah. I'd rather not. <laughs> I, I like my cons my parts together. Yeah. Yeah. I'm me too. kind of M mine tend not to work very well anyway, so I'm fine if if, if my parts explode all over the place. Me too. <laughs> my parts don't work either. 
Oh my god. Braggy. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, anyway. question one of Would You Rather, yes. the one we asked on social media. Yes. And yes. next to the question we asked when we did Midnight Sun, are you team Edward or team Jacob? This is potentially one of our most contentious questions oh, okay. ever. <laughs> Would you rather have pineapple on your pizza or not? <laughs> well, I not, but I don't mind pineapple on my pizza. <laughs> I know, I know. Some some people feel so strongly about it. Some of my mm. characters feel very strongly about it. Um, I actually don't mind, don't mind no. it too much. Um, but I prefer olives, which I think is another contentious mm. one. Oh, oh no! I know. I had a I had a pineapple and ham pizza for my lunch today in honor oh, of yeah. recording. Oh yeah! And last Saturday. I shared an olive and anchovy with goat cheese pizza with my seven-year-old son. Oh, that sounds amazing. No. It was delightful. Stop it. Oh. It was delightful. No. It got to the stage where I wasn't allowed any. Oh, really? Oh, I love your son. He's got such adventurous tastes for a seven-year-old. Oh. Yes. He's eight now. He oh, had eight. a birthday. <laughs> on Tuesday. So, yes, I have. he was seven at the time. He's eight now. But, yes, he picked it. And he enjoyed it, and he stole most of it, and I had to go and steal half my husband. Gross. <laughs> so that was so, that his birthday lunch? Like, yes, it was. Awesome. So if you ever go to York, there's a lovely pizza place. Um, <laughs> throwing that one out there. On social media, do you want to know how it went? Pineapple, <laughs> nay or nay? So there was yes, yum, or no, you're weirdo. On Facebook, 62% are eating the pineapple. Instagram, 75% are having pineapple on their pizza. On Twitter, 67% are having pineapple on their pizza. And on TikTok, no, you will, you do. Don't put pineapple on your pizza with 54%. Oh, so my Amanda, God. I'm afraid you're going to have to go to TikTok. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to hear some of the listener comments? Yes. Like super fans. Super fan Annie on Facebook said, so many people think pineapple on pizza is the devil. I must be the friend of the devil. Give me all the pineapple. That you know Annie would dance naked her. in a dark. Oh, yeah. Dan- <laughs> Annie would dance naked in the garden with, de- with the devil, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. Um. Uh, Drew on Facebook said, no pineapple, please. No fruit with my pizza. Colin on Facebook said, I'm not pizza racist. I'll eat whatever is put on a tasty, tasty pizza. I mean, I saw an advert for a baked bean pizza the other day and thought to myself, yeah, I'd smash that. So yeah, give me pineapple, bring it on. Mm. I draw the line at a baked bean pizza. I actually... (gasps) With my kids, you know those songs where it's like, do you like broccoli? Do you like you know, broccoli pizza, broccoli ice cream, that kind of thing. But um, we went through it and we decided to make our own do you like broccoli pizza? So we just threw all the weird stuff we could think of on. We used baked beans and um, I can't remember what else, popcorn and things like that. Uh, I would eat that. I would eat that. I'm going to make that pizza. Baked beans and popcorn and a broccoli sweet pizza. pizza. I mean, popcorn. <laughs> Doing it. I'm going to take a picture of me eating it and you guys are going to be like, please do, please do. No, no, I don't want a picture. I want a video. I want proof that the bite is taken, it is chewed and ingested. I need full proof. All right. It's going to happen. Don't worry. Yes. And we put pineapple on that pizza. 
No. Remember, you're going to have to put pineapple on as well. No. You no, you guys, <laughs> no. You have to. You've already agreed to it. No, I will not put pineapple on there. I'll put some other weird shit on that pizza, but I am not putting pineapple on it. Put tuna on. You keep complaining about tuna on a pizza. Put tuna on the pizza. No, it's just getting really weird. (laughs) Tasty, tasty, tasty. Anywho, I'm going to read Constance, super fun Constance comment. I'm with Annie. The devil, her and I will be enjoying our pineapple pizza, you savages. (laughs) Savages. (laughs) Oh. Totally um, wonderful. Let's see. Real Jackson Ford on Instagram said, "Nope, nope, nope, nobody, nope." Thank you, Jackson Ford. You know I love you already, but thank you again. Nobody, I, the nobody, nope really does it for me. <laughs> nobody, nope. <laughs> well, I'm going to get L20 Kevs on Instagram. Was yes, definitely. The more moist, the better. See, I'm with garlic bread. It needs to be that buttery and oily with the grease needs to be running down my arm and I'm eating it. I think, I think, have we, have we lost with all the chocolate pineapple pizza? Just got too much? Yeah. <laughs> I, had to, I had to pause and just puke and then came back. <laughs> I think, I think that description of the pineapple pizza, like, with the word moist and then the image of the garlic bread that's you know what technically it does sound like a delicious meal technically but it you know the description is like something mm. out of it <laughs> you don't want your pizza drip no no you don't no. want drippy pizza slidey no. cheesy pizza yes but mm. not drippy pizza mm. no i think it was the garlic bread that was drippy with garlic butter dripping down his eye. i don't just, no. that just sounds sounds like feeding my like kids when they were younger sounds like me in an italian restaurant if I'm like, nah. <laughs> gross okay <Anywho. laughs> yuck All right. do you want to move away from the disgustingness yes yes okay would you rather be lied to your entire life about having diabetes or being a supernatural creature so lied to like I am a supernatural creature, and they they lie to me and pretend I'm not, like in the book. Yeah, I mm-hmm. I prefer that because that's a happy surprise, and I still <laughs> and I still got to you know eat sugary treats my whole life. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I prefer that. If I if I discovered now that I was a werewolf, um, I would be terribly surprised because my body is not healing itself like a werewolf should. But um, yeah, no, I, I think I I prefer to be lied to about being a supernatural creature than about having diabetes because I'd just be. The dietary restrictions of a diabetic is not, <laughs> so that's not fair. I'm with you. I'd rather be find out I'm a supernatural creature. And if I find out that I am a werewolf and I am not healing as I should, I need a vet now. <laughs> <sighs> okay. My knees. So as much as I want to be a supernatural creature, because obviously, um, you know, if I found out that everyone has been telling me my entire life that I have diabetes and hey I don't. Woohoo! Oh, I'm yeah. taking it. Yeah. Yeah. Can I add on to this though, Amanda? I'm gonna find out that I'm a supernatural creature and it actually turns out to be a vampire. Then I'm gonna come over to Arkansas uh-huh. where you no longer have diabetes. Correct. And I'm gonna turn you into a vampire and yes. then you can go on a rip roaring rampage of revenge for everybody who's told you that you've had diabetes your entire life and you've had to suffer through all of the Okay. Insulin and yes. testing and all that kind yes. of all right, let's stuff. do it. Let's do and it. And I will support you in your rip roaring rampage of revenge. I 
I'm just really proud of myself that I didn't automatically pick supernatural creature in this one because that's that's typically my go-to. But man, getting rid of diabetes, hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Take it. <laughs> Sucks. <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> I'm lighthearted about it though (laughs) (laughs) if she doesn't laugh like a maniac she'll kill us all this is me with chronic pain as well it's like oh my back has stopped working and now I can't move again it's just like yeah you you either laugh or you cry or you laugh and you cry at the same time right or you start crying because you're laughing because then your laughing makes you like have pain so it's all good it's all cycle of tears and pain it's a a vicious vicious cycle (laughs) (laughs) let's move on speaking of vicious cycles question three would you rather would you rather become a werewolf by injecting blood or ingesting blood injecting i suppose unless i can ingest my blood in a hot chocolate in which case that's not so bad um, but yeah, injecting so I don't have to don't have to taste it would probably be better. I don't know. But, I've had some nice black pudding in my life. But that is okay. If I if I eat the black pudding, yeah. <laughs> Here's a theory: if you had a vampire donate their blood and turned it into black pudding, and then you ate the black pudding, could you, in theory, turn into a vampire? If that is the vampire trope that you're going with, I love that idea. That, I mean. <gasps> when- wouldn't you have to be bitten and drained first? Well, you could be on the point and they're just stuffing, like, you don't, you're drained and they're just stuffing black pudding in your mouth. And yeah, they just, just, just shove it in your death. mouth and, like, make you chew. Mm, or... Tasty death. <laughs> it could, though, if, if that was, if that's, like, the, the logic, the, the lore that you're going with. Like, in my world, I guess, you could be turned into a werewolf that way. Just, like, mass. <laughs> Oh wow, that would be. What if you've already eaten it? Mm -hmm. Because you've gone out, you've gone out for a fancy breakfast. You know, you've gone for a brunch. You've gone (laughs) slap up full works. You've got the black pudding on the side because it doesn't normally come with the dinner. Mm -hmm. And you accidentally lose all your blood and get turned. Lose all your blood (laughs) in some freak accident. Yeah, some freak accident. Mm And you don't realise that the black pudding is made with vampire blood or werewolf blood and you turn into a supernatural creature and you're like, how the heck did this happen? I, I think this would be a really funny story. It would be a really funny story. Especially when you accidentally lose all your blood. Accidentally. <laughs> accident. Where did I put it? It would have to be a really funny freak accident as well. Yeah. Yeah. Very slapstick. Like, yeah. if the restaurant is is run by werewolves or run by vampires and they're off making, the, you know, causing these ridiculous accidents because they want to create their werewolf or vampire army, then you could get really ridiculous with it because it could be almost like Final Destination style where they're, try- <laughs> they're trying to cause your accident and just, you know, things are falling and th- things are happening and they're just really useless monsters that kind of... <laughs> That could be really fun. I'm on board for this. I need this in my life. Yep. (laughs) It needs to happen. Yeah. I would love that. It Um, doesn't even have to be a full story. It could just be a really random short story. (laughs) Yeah. Damn. I'm there for it. (laughs) 
<laughs> I love it. Five out of five stars on Goodreads would recommend. <laughs> <laughs> um, my answer for this question, after accidentally losing all of my blood, um, I... I, I wouldn't mind doing an injection again back you know to diabetes just all needles yeah. all the time so just whatever whatever yeah maybe I would take an injection more willingly than you know as we were talking about earlier so before we started recording unenthusiastic carnivore so yes yes <laughs> shoot it in I'll take it <laughs> I'm going to load up my insulin pump and slowly get it over time. So my change will be less drastic. Okay. It's an interesting way of doing it, yeah. I like that. <laughs> I feel like we need to caveat this question with, like, you don't have to ingest the blood as a food stuff. You could drink it. <laughs> yeah, that's fine too. Mixed in with your hot chocolate. Or find a hot nerd. Yes. Suck their blood. Yes. Fine. All of these are reasonable options. Choose your option. Pick one. But if you go for the slapstick blood loss with black pudding, so much the better. It is better. That that is now my now my go to um way I want to turn into a monster for sure. <laughs> oh um okay, next question. Would you rather have the weird feeling a vampire gets when stuck in a place they're uninvited or uh-huh. have death prickle wolfy head tingles? Hmm. Death prickle wolfy head tingle, tingles. The uh, the feeling that a vampire gets when they go somewhere they shouldn't is like their brain is on fire and they can't think and they can't do anything. So the the wolfy head tingles, death prickles are awful. They're just not as bad as that. So bad headache versus feeling like your brain is about to explode. Um. Yeah. That I would. I'd take that. Preferably neither. But. <laughs> That's, that's not the spirit of what you rather. No, neither is not an option. Not today. <laughs> no, option C, never. <laughs> Claire, what are you going to do? Oh, I'm going to go Death Prickle Wolfie Head Tingles. Just because I like Death Prickle Wolfie Head Tingles yeah. and I would buy their album. Yes, just saying um, Death Prickle Wolfie Head Tingles is <laughs> the best. It's the name of my first album. <laughs> Accidental yes. Blood I, Loss. That's your... <laughs> That's your band's name, and your yes. first album is Death Prickle Wolfie Death Head Tingles. Death Prickle Wolfie Head <laughs> Two t-shirts are coming to Redbubble. <laughs> oh, I need to make a note. It's happening. <laughs> yes, my justification is I've had horrible migraines like that are in your eyeballs as well. Oh, so yeah. I'm guessing that's what the Death Prickle Wolfie Head Tingles is like, <laughs> as opposed to the uninvited vampire trope. Yeah, yeah. Because like I can't imagine anything worse than the uninvited vampire. That was the point. Is like it renders you even like even the most capable person completely incapable of doing anything. So that scene when we were talking about the book and our discussion. That scene when Felix throws the poppy seeds on the ground, and the vampire is uninvited in the threshold and counting the poppy seeds is one of our favorites Mm -hmm. because it's Mm -hmm. just so horrible but so funny <laughs> and then he gets his head pulled off <laughs> and he, he, he appreciates it because the headache is worse thank you <laughs> oh it's amazing what are you doing amanda well obviously death prickle wolfie head tingles 
And I just feel like it's it's our phrase for this episode. And I feel like it's like we have to try to say it, you know, say it five times fast. And then we just go. (laughs) We say it too often. We might accidentally conjure us. Oh, that's true. We might. Oh, we're all going to have migraines after this episode is over. Oh, as long as it's not a bloody Mary Candyman situation again. Uh, Again? I'm fine with summoning Candyman. That's pretty much a regular occurrence with us. Give us a mirror and a candle and we'll say names three times. Yeah, I mean, I love Candyman, so uh, it's fine. I'm going to summon him. This is my favorite. I love that movie very much. Have you seen the remake? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Did you love it? Yeah, absolutely loved it. Me too. Yeah, the 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 actors are just some of my favorite as well. So it's just I liked it better than not not better than the original, but I as the see as a remake goes, it was really create or not remake but sequel. It was really creative and didn't didn't disappoint on what it did. Yeah, no. The shadow I, puppetry was amazing. Yeah, I was yes. very very pleased, especially with the tie-ins to the original too, and that Tony Todd was in it at the end. Like, oh yeah, so good, <laughs> so good. Oh, but oh my God, for the love of all that is holy, don't get me started talking about Candyman because that's where this episode's gonna go. <laughs> Candyman. <laughs> no, but last time you talked about Candyman to a, to an author who just released a debut, we got Candyman in the sequel. It's true, we did. It is it is my fault that Candyman is in Amy McCaw's Mina and the Slayers, which I I've been dying to read it, and I have it on my shelves because I love Mina and the Undead so much, um, and I've been dying to read it, and I just I haven't had a chance yet. I I feel like I'm. Everything since my publication month has just been chaotic and my kids have been sick and stuff. And I'm looking at my TBR, Mina, Mina and the Slayers is right up the top. It's so good. And you know... The influence, was it four things Four things. The book? Four, four things, things influenced by Fictional Hangover. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yes. So, yes. so read it and then go and watch, read, listen to the episode mm-hmm. and the bonus with Amy and you'll yes. find all four things. Yeah. Okay. I will do that. Not that we're bragging, but we're totally bragging. We're totally bragging <laughs> because that's one of the coolest things that has ever happened to fiction. Definitely. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. We're not hinting Ooh. or anything at, you know, your next next book that comes out. I feel like I feel like any of the like the craziness that comes up could easily be like like Kevin writing a short story about weirdness and you know, he, he could definitely have a short story about a werewolf opening a sausage factory to <laughs> infect people. He will pass his creative writing course if he does a supernatural creature opening up a brunch spot that says black pudding. Mm-hmm. He lives... <laughs> brunch spots are so big in Toronto. Like, it's everywhere. You can't, can't look around without uh, uh, seeing a brunch spot. So, um they're in the right place to be writing about us. It's perfect. And who doesn't love brunch? If, wrong people. If you don't <laughs> love brunch, you're wrong. Exactly. Speaking of brunch, wow, question five. Would you rather have a bloody hot chocolate or a raw steak? Ooh, bloody hot chocolate, for sure. A thousand yeah. times. <laughs> I'm mm, I'm on and off blood. vegetarian, sometimes vegan, um, and when I do eat meat, it's usually because I, you know, I've gotten myself run down or something like that. But when I do eat meat, it's only like fish and chicken. 
I can't touch red meat. <laughs> um, so an, an awful lot of like Evie being super excited about red meat and uh, you know all the oh it smelled like this and it was like that all the stuff that kind of grosses me out I just tried to turn it into a positive <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'd, I'd have to have the bloody hot chocolate because at least then you also have chocolate and marshmallows and sprinkles and you know Kevin's cooking for you yeah definitely same. I'm definitely the same because obviously unenthusiastic carnivore, which you are too. So yeah, absolutely. I'm an enthusiastic omnivore. Mm-hmm. Nom 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 omnivore. <laughs> but I'm not eating a raw steak. I like mine medium rare. Yeah. So it's it's still <laughs> cooked. So give me the bloody hot chocolate. I'll 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 have that with sprinkles and whipped cream and marshmallows. I like how angry it made you sound just then, saying bloody. Bloody. Bloody hot chocolate. Bloody hot bloody chocolate. Hot chocolate. <laughs> Usually, because when I'm saying the word bloody, it's going, I'm going, oh, bloody hell. <laughs> At myself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. There's your excessively British moment for our ear, man. Hooray. Thank you. Bloody hell. Just what I needed. <laughs> okay. That's the end of Would You Rather. Yay! Yay! So, favorite final thought quote? The entire book? Yes. Go. No, literally the entire book. It's just, it's just too good. I know. Okay. I have like an entire page of maybe more than a page, page and a half in our yeah. notes of of quotes. <sighs> There's so many. There's so many. I didn't want to talk to anyone. I wanted to eat meat and cry. (laughs) (laughs) We don't need the police. We need Slayers or Winchesters or or the kids from Stranger Things. (laughs) (laughs) Friends don't let friends house monsters alone. Hmm. There are other ways to feel about someone besides liking or actively murdering them. <laughs> oh. oh, here's a touching one from Kevin. But crying doesn't make you weak, Kate. We're supposed to feel stuff. Mm. Kevin is wise and precious. I yes. fridge ate some bacon and tried not to punch the table. <laughs> We've all been there. blah 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 villain speech I get it evil Kev can bite me (laughs) that was one of the funnest things I was like yes okay you're gonna villain monologue now can you just get it over with just get it over with (sighs) stop trying to get me to murder you you mopey emo (laughs) Oh, now this one's a touching one as well. I'm going to end on it because I read this one and I genuinely thought about like fictional hangover family. Okay. I liked having people I could just be broken with. Mm. That's a good one. And I'm going to pass it over to you. Let's try and not break any copyright laws. (laughs) 
Sure. Maybe it should have seemed odd that my diabetes was so uncommon I couldn't Google it. Or that it caused a burning allergy to silver, and I had to take special insulin custom-mixed by my mom in her secret unregulated lab in the basement. Yeah, seeing it all written down, it definitely should have seemed odd. Yep. Totally typical, given my ultra-rare diabetes. Something to do with hormones and adrenal spikes, I think, messing with my blood sugar. So, typical, but potentially (laughs) life-threatening. God, they all just meant so much to me. Very reassuring. I could avoid them by staying calm, but... You try staying calm while your body's trying to kill you. So meaningful. Oh, (laughs) this one. (laughs) This is my favorite one. Uh, hi. Good morn, um, day. Good day? No, I mean, uh, what's the word again? Morrow. Morrow? Good morrow to you, sir. Sir? Oh, God, Evie, stop talking. (laughs) Kevin Kevin replies, Uh, yay? Verily? (laughs) (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. Okay. Oh, this one, short one. Love it. Way to trope, vampires. Yes! Also, let's see. Oh, don't worry, said Kevin. Turns out trying not to kill someone too much is a huge buzzkill. He laughed until he realized I wasn't laughing too. Sorry, that's not funny, is it? I told you, I'm a terrible person. I loved that line. Terrible person. Terrible. I'm a terrible person. Okay, so I've got a couple more. The entire book. Um... This one I felt really strongly about because it just feels so hyphenated and over rambly, <laughs> which is uh, how I talk. Hello, welcome to us. <laughs> and with that, I let my nerdy vampire non-friend guide baby vamp me to the kitchen for pizza so I wouldn't accidentally murder my sister. <laughs> Oh, and this one. We're us, now with extra magic. Oh my god. Sorry, he stammered. I didn't mean to. That's all right. It was both of us. I mean, mostly him. Teeth punching me in the mouth. (laughs) Teeth punching. (laughs) Okay, and finally, my favorite one. My favorite one. I'm done, I swear. But sure, a grown woman made a second-rate Candyman joke, so laugh it up, assholes! <laughs> <laughs> we need to stop. We're going to read the entire book. Out. That's all I've got! I'm done! Second-rate Candyman joke! <laughs> I love it so much! Laugh it up, read assholes! Read this book! Read it! Seriously, seriously! Yes, yes, seriously, read this book. (laughs) Oh. Oh, damn. All right. If you liked this, try this. 
What do you got? <sighs> okay. This one's book theme is Twisted Tales, which we read this book for as part of as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought, oh, there's got to be... I'm sure there's another one. I haven't read, but I went and found it because I was looking at it for our all vampires all the time month as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's by uh, Kirsten White and it's And I Darken. It's book one of the Conqueror's Saga. So the summary's okay. from Goodreads. No one expects a princess to be brutal and Lada Dragwala <laughs> likes it that way. Ever since she and her gentle younger brother Radu were wrenched from their homeland in Rachala and abandoned to their father to be raised by in the Ottoman courts, Lada has known that being ruthless is the key to survival. She and Radu are doomed to act as pawns in a vicious game, as unseen sword hovering over their every move, for the lineage that makes them special also makes them targets. Lada despises the Ottomans and bides her time, planning her vengeance for the day when she can return to Vachala and claim her birthright. Radu longs only for a place where he feels safe, and then they meet Mehmed, a defiant and lonely son of the Sultan. Radu feels that he's made a true friend, and Lada wonders if she's finally found someone worthy of her passion. But Mehmed is heir to the very empire that Lada was sworn to fight against, and that Radu now considers home. Together, Lada and Radu and Mehmed form a toxic triangle that strains the bonds of love and loyalty to the breaking point. It is Vlad Tepish, <laughs> Dracula, <laughs> where Dracula, where Vlad is a girl. I love it. It's Twisted Tail, taking the tropes on its head, thrown in, just yes, I yes. Love I love it. I'm, I'm hoping there's a proper impaling going on as well. There needs to be at least one. Yes. Okay, so I went werewolf. <laughs> Shocking no one. I chose Shiver by Maggie Stiefvater. Because we all ah, know how I feel about Maggie nice. Stiefvater. Nice. But I haven't read this series because, you know, <gasps> obviously I will always choose, always choose vampire over werewolf. But but gasp! I know, I know. You're right. Do you need to lie down? Do you need some insulin? I need Hot some chocolate. insulin, please. For years, Grace has watched the wolves in the woods behind her house. One yellow-eyed wolf, her wolf, is a chilling presence she can't seem to live without. Meanwhile, Sam has lived two lives. In winter, the frozen woods, the protection of the pack, and the silent company of a fearless girl. In summer, a few precious months of being human, until the cold makes him shift back again. Now, Grace meets a yellow-eyed boy whose familiarity takes her breath away. It's her wolf. It has to be. But as winter nears, Sam must fight to stay human or risk losing himself and Grace forever. Ooh. Ooh. Cold time werewolves. Mmm. Interesting. I like the sound of that one. Mm. And I'm hoping we have a spotlight this week. We do. We do have a spotlight this week. Um, this one just came out in August. It's called Superworld by Benjamin Keyworth. And obviously we've got a tenuous link here. Teens with powers. Uh-huh. <laughs> Matt Callian is in trouble. In a world where everyone has superpowers, he's got squat and has spent the last five years faking being clairvoyant just to avoid getting caught. Unfortunately, Matt's lies have started to catch up to him. 
And when a desperate bluff backfires, he'll need every ounce of cunning, conning, and juvenile delinquency to stay undetected and alive. Jane Walker is trouble. In a world where everyone is powerful, Jane stands alone and apart, hated for her ability to copy abilities and atrocities far beyond her control. But fate is a fickle friend, and a chance encounter soon finds Jane hurtling toward her lifelong dream, or prejudice, humiliation, and a violent, painful death. Unbeknownst to them, Matt and Jane's paths are inextricably intertwined, and as each struggles to find their place, an unseen force will draw them ever forward, closer and closer to a secret whose existence threatens not just their lives, but the fate of the entire world. Ooh. Teens with powers. Teens with powers. Teens with powers. Not all too right. tenuous, actually. No, no, not at all. So that's it for this episode of Fictional Hangover. Everyone, make sure you go and listen to the bonus episode with Ashlyn and Laughlin. We love it. Read the book. <laughs> Read the book. Read the book. Read the book. It's very important. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. Join us next time as we discuss Deadlocked by Charlene Harris. Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover-themed merchandise. And become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover. Things! New things are happening! I get excited every time I say this line in our closing. New things on Patreon! It's new funny. things on Patreon! New, new things! New, 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 new Patreon! New Patreon! New things in Patreon! New, new Patreon! Patreon new! <laughs> Until next time, remember... The There's new things on Patreon! <laughs> Coming soon! Oh my god, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. <laughs> You can find us at fictionalhangover.com. Follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover and on Twitter at fictionalhangover, no E-R. If you like this episode, check out our others and be sure to rate, review and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for her music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening. <laughs>